Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Dr. Jovan Lazo, and we have Dr. Alex Lee with us today. Hello. And uh, we'll be interviewing one of our colleagues here at Advent Health Celebration, Dr. Madison Dubill. How are you today? I'm doing great. Got my day off today. Glad to be here. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing all right. Um, we had to work and uh, we had to cover for you. So uh, it must have been nice to have your day off today. Yeah, I tried to leave you as little work as possible. Mm, for some reason, <laughs> I believe that's sarcasm. But uh, love, lovely comedy satire today. But um, Dr. Duvel, do you mind kind of introducing yourself to our audience here um, so that they can kind of get a feel for you before we dive into the topic for today? Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the same residency as Joven and Alex. I'm a PGY1, uh, just like Joven, Amcare with an inpatient hybrid, Advent Health Celebration. Um, I went to UF Gainesville for pharmacy school. While I was in school, I was working as an inpatient intern. So I had a fair amount of inpatient experience prior to and certainly developed my ambulatory care aptitude on the residency side. And just recently got uh, employed at a nearby hospital with a full-time position inpatient. So I'm glad to have uh, combined those two experiences I've had and find a job that kind of suits both of those uh, experiences. Certainly. And I'm glad you kind of touched upon that last little bit where you talked about you got a job because that's what the point of today's episode is about. Uh, kind of the job application process, how you went about searching for a job, and a little bit of the interview process, because I know a lot of us right now, whether it's PGY1s, PGY2s, uh, maybe pharmacists are in a bit of a transition phase because the summertime is coming, leases are ending, people are moving. So this is a the prominent time, I believe, for a lot of people to start searching for jobs. So we figured we could definitely do some service to our um, audience here. Not only that, but um, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I want to say a big congratulations to everybody that recently graduated. Um, the class of 2022 should have just graduated by now. Um, so they are also potentially people that could be on the job hunt and on the job search now. So this is um, one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you in today with all your expertise and uh, searching for a job. We figured we, we bring you in to kind of help our audience today. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'm flattered. Thank you. Of course. So to start off. Um, what job search engines did you use in order to find um, the job that you got now or just jobs in general? So I was pretty new to it. I didn't know where to start. I kind of did what I saw online when you Google pharmacy jobs, you know. So what came up was Monster, Indeed, LinkedIn. And, um, you know, at our residency, we have some internal emails that say, you know, jobs opening here, left and right. So those are the things I kept my eye on. I will say I used mostly Indeed and Monster at first and then quickly switched to only using Indeed. I found it had all the jobs that Monster had and more, and it was much easier to curate my job search like uh, with filters, you know, for example, clinical pharmacist versus Monster, which only allowed me to look at like pharmacist, which would, of course, yield the retail positions, MTM positions and administrative positions that I wasn't really looking as much for. So I do highly recommend Indeed. Okay. So you would say Indeed was probably the easiest to use and the best to cater your search to a specific job position. Yeah, very user-friendly. Um, I subscribe to their email. So I like how they would send me daily, like two new jobs that popped up into your uh, location and, and filters. They match your filters, which I like the location too, because I can stay. I only want jobs in this area. 
when it comes to the application process, what did you kind of do on your end to stick out whenever you were applying, whenever you were submitting those apps? Was there specific questions that came to you? Was it mainly just the CV they wanted? What was the, the kind of some tips and tricks that you used to make yourself stick out? To stick out, I've always, honestly, I kind of employed this strategy in residency too. I've always went on the more casual side of things. I don't know if that helps them with my nerves or if I like how it kind of gives off a sense of confidence, but um, I, I'm very conversation-based during interviews. I'm very positive, not stern, not rehearsed, not robotic, almost joking in some areas. I mean, I, I probably push the envelope on how casual I am in some of my interviews and I think it works to my advantage. Like I said, it helps with my nerves a bit. And I think it leaves a more lasting impression because I would imagine most of the applicants and interviewees are going to be a bit uptight, a little rehearsed, um, you know, stuttering here and there, which, you know, of course I do certainly at times, but I, I think just the overall joking, positive nature of how I carry myself in those usually very serious environments stands out and helps in a variety of ways. Uh, but in terms of my application, I, didn't do this for my first couple, but I started adding cover letters and references to every one of my application, which I think went a long way. One of the jobs okay. I got an offer from, I had the cover letter and references. Okay. And just from your little personal, your personal experience, I guess you started to get more HR calls, more feedback, positive feedback after you started doing the cover letters. Um. You know, I can't say that I got more like interaction or more reach out, but it's the, I did, I, so I did that for two. I did that for my last two applications and those last two applications did both offer uh, interviews and those HR calls as a briefing. So yeah, I guess you could say in a way it, it did help. And and that's a good point because another thing about it, even when I was going through the job application process, I never really submitted any cover letters or and that's something that could be beneficial. She definitely shows your interest in a site because a lot of people are lazy and don't want to go the extra mile to maybe write that cover letter. And, you, and by you doing that, that kind of shows your desire of being there, which is what I imagine somebody in that hiring chair wants an employee that truly desires to be in that seat. Is there anything you wanted to add on, Alex? No, I agree. Um, I honestly felt during my during the application process, I was just honestly just submitting my CV. Um, if they asked for a cover letter, um, like usually it's just like optional. I didn't really put much effort. Mm. Um, but I, I honestly felt that when I was applying, I felt that because I had, you know, two years of residency experience having a PHY1 and a PHY2, I felt my experiences would speak, um, will, will speak pretty loudly. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I ended up getting interviews too. So I like, I felt that, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't suggest for um, all the listeners out there to not do cover letters um, because it definitely is helpful. But if you feel confident uh, on your experiences, then the experiences will, will speak for themselves, really. Yeah, you had a little bit of a big chest for good reason. You know, that extra year of residency, I'd say. Yeah, so... <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. No, I mean, this it's understandable, you know. Um, that's six years of experience that you got right there, Alex, that you're carrying. Yeah, so yeah. It's understandable um, when you're going through the application process that you kind of wanted the CV to speak for itself, you know. And sometimes that's that's 
that's honestly how I look at it too. Like your CV should speak for itself and for you and why you want to be there and how you would fit as an employee in that um, healthcare institution or that, that specific job. Um, I completely agree with that. The only reason I would advocate for a cover letter is if you think your CV doesn't really get you that foot in the door, you're hoping for your specific position. For example, Joven and Alex, you know, we're all in an AmCare based residency. Mm -hmm. So you don't want your ambulatory care heavy CV to give them that impression of, did he get enough inpatient experience? You might want to preface that on your cover letter, highlight those areas of your CV so you don't have to rely on them finding them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And that's kind of like a, not only shows your interest, but as you just stated, kind of a guide or an aid to really supplement your application to show why you are a good candidate and a good fit for that location and that job. Okay. Yes, sir. So how would you say um, the interview experience differed from being a, from residency interviews to job interviews? Good question. I would say they, all in all, believe it or not, I think, although they're higher stakes, in my opinion, they're a bit more casual. Full-time interviews were a bit more short, more truncated, more assumptions were made you know, on the on the front end, if that makes sense. You know, they, mm-hmm. they understand you have that, that residency training, that clinical aptitude. I had way less patient cases presented to me during interviews. I will say, though, uh, timing, I think, is much more important. You know, some say to apply to your lower tiered positions first because those interviews are lower yield and you can get more practice in to an extent. But what I've noticed, and perhaps either of you have noticed as well, I mean, what if your second favorite position offers you a job while you're still waiting to hear back from your top position because you went in the reverse order? You know, now you're in a tricky situation. Um, what I would say is don't go in an inverse order of your preference. Maybe create a list of like five jobs and don't go five, four, three, two, one. I would go five, four, one, two, three, and then fingers crossed, they call you for interviews in that order. That way you get the adequate experience you need and you can leverage time to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So basically don't randomly apply. Definitely kind of still rank out a list that you would just like you would with a residency program. You probably had your top programs. You want to do those letter of intents first and, and whatnot and submit the application for them first. Same thing here. You want to fill out the job application first for your top um, most interesting jobs that you would like to be at and then go trickle down in that effect. And if maybe another place gives you an interview offer first, try to schedule your interviews to have the jobs that you care about first or the jobs that you care about the most, have those interviews first. So that way, just in case they were to offer you or anything like that, you don't have to like really hesitate or, or debate on that decision. Yeah. And That's if you do point. need to practice, maybe just like your bottom two first, not all, don't go complete inverse in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then as far as the type of questions, I know you kind of dived into it, but would you say they were similar at all to residency? Were they asking like a lot of strengths? What are your top strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, You know, the tell me about yourself type of questions. I know you said there wasn't as many patient case scenarios, um, but did they have those like behavioral type questions, situational type questions a lot? Yeah. So, I mean, again, more casual, more baseline assumptions, so less patient cases. Uh, definitely equal amount of situational based. What would you do in X situation? I'd say those X situations were more specific and less trying to test your behavior, but more so actually see what you would do in that actual position, probably because it happens a lot at that job and they want to see how you would handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
I think there was like a mutual understanding during the interviews for full-time positions that everything in your CV is legit. It's worthy of placement. You just completed a residency, so they don't need to investigate your clinical aptitude as much. Um, but it is more of a long-term commitment. And so rightfully so, more questions are situational and, and you know, what would you do in certain circumstances? Because it's a long-time investment. Definitely. And then to kind of transition to our, to our next question we have for you, did you find it challenging for you to get any clinical pharmacist position um, interviews? Because I know you said um, you used a cover letter, so that seemed to help. But prior to that cover letter, would you say it was kind of challenging for you to get those interviews? When you say clinical pharmacist, do you mean like in any setting in, or inpatient? Like specific? inpatient, like a inpatient position, being an ambulatory care resident. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I did anticipate that being a barrier, which is why I did the structure of my CV, customized it, with, and did the cover letters, and made sure to highlight my inpatient experiences. And I asked my references to highlight that too. So I definitely think that helped. Um, it was not a problem for me because I did get offered an interview at each inpatient position I applied for. But our program is about one third inpatient. Not every AmCare program is like that. So if it's not, you might want to have some talking points ready for how you can succeed in the inpatient role. And, and mention those things in your cover letter and move those CV components higher up. And you know, those are some things that I did. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense. So I think you kind of touched upon a key thing that sometimes a lot of us fail, failed to do is, you know, we have people that we're confident would give us a good recommendation if, if someone were to contact them, but making sure they cater the information they provide to those individuals um, to supplement your application. So if it's one of those that like, Hey, for this one, I'm really interested in this specific um, inpatient gig, making sure um, they understand like, hey, you know, really touch upon if let's say it's a half chemo, half internal med type of role. And it's like, hey, make sure you really touch on all the oncology that I did with you when I was on rotation um, type exactly. of thing. Um, and really, really hone in on that because they're they're confident. I did a residency. I can handle most of the vancomycin and, and, and the, the basic um, PKT pharmacokinetic consults, but they may not really be able you may not be able to stress enough in your CV and they might want some more confirmation or follow-up on like oncology or some of the more, um, more intense disease states and, and positions that you could possibly have in patient. Same thing. If it's probably like the ICU, I could always see them wanting to get some further information on that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I have no idea when the inpatient sign, I'm all outpatient. <laughs> I don't really have to think about all of that. So I know you're the king of Amcare. <laughs> yeah, Alex is the the Amcare king, mm. but I think at the same time you can kind of attest to when it comes to um, community and Amcare. You know, there are some similarities when it comes to patient counseling, but it's like you don't have to necessarily worry about the prescriptions. You don't have to have to necessarily worry about um, that customer service aspect. You know, and so that's some of the things where it's like maybe for you, you might have um, your preceptors, your Amcare preceptors, kind of talk about the great quality of, of care that you provide as far as like customer service type quality of care um, to your patients, um, how they might feel you would be great with managing the hectic environment of a retail pharmacy where you maybe have a drive-through, you have this, that, like, oh, you know, when Alex was working here, um, there was like multiple clinics and he was able to switch from each one and go back to each one without any issues. So I'm sure there's still ways that that can definitely play a role too. Um, being in an ambulatory care residency and even applying for something community-wise. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and you know, it, it's I think with residency, it just really, you know, whether it be like just a peer 
you know, ambulatory care or like a hybrid, like it prepares you for really any situation. And I think Mm -hmm. just going back to what Madison mentioned about the cover letters, it's just like, how you you phrase it? How do you um, sell it to um, the interviewers? Like how, like how would your experiences fit with what they're looking for? So, yeah. Yeah. Always trying to cater it back to them. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So Madison, this is the one question I feel like a lot of people would like to know the answer to because this is like the most common thing I I feel like just hearing people and people that I, I communicate with they always blank on so what are some of the questions that you recommend asking the interviewers during the interview mm, you're asking for my secret sauce yes I am we need it America needs it <laughs> I mean that you're right that's like one of the and if not the most important part of an interview is you know we 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 know everything we need to know about you now now how do you feel about us mm-hmm. and that's your opportunity to show how interested you are how much research you did how seriously do you take this position are is, is this person about to ask about pay is that their priority what is their priority um i mean i can just if you want i can just list list off like my go-tos i definitely have some that might sound a little cliche and some that are a little more uh you know individualized and i think impactful if you want me to do that yeah, we, we want the special sauce. You can give it to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, Okay, okay. So ingredient number one um, would be, what are the top two consults that you do as an inpatient pharmacist? And relate those to your strengths and what you do. So a lot of times I ask that question and they say, oh, you know, vancomycin and TPN. And I'm like, that's that's great. That's actually what I have the most experience in. Talk a little bit about that. You know, it's kind of set myself up because I know that's that's mostly the top two volume consults in most hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um What's a previous piece of feedback that a previous pharmacist in this role had about the position? And what did the pharmacy do to address that feedback? So does that pharmacy solicit feedback from their employees and do they care to act on it? I think that's a two-way question because you get to learn about them and they get to see that you genuinely care about, um, you know, what you're asking about and you did your research. Can we, can we pause, pause real quick? I want you to repeat that question because that was a gem. I need you to repeat that question one more time for the audience to hear it again. Oh, for sure. For sure. So ingredient number two was what is one piece of feedback the previous pharmacist in this role had about the position? And what has the pharmacy done to address that feedback? That's a beautiful question. That is a, okay. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) You'll learn learn a lot from that question, right? (laughs) Yep. Yes, you will. Uh, I mean, if you want to, if you want to show that you're interested in continual learning, you'll ask about, are there accreditation incentives, right? Um, uh, you'll ask about preceptorship opportunities if you're interested in that and you want to let them know you're interested in that. Uh, you might want to say something like, other than blank, uh, what are the two areas you see your pharmacy service line expanding in the next five years? I, I say blank because you should probably know like one or two areas of expansion by the time they start asking you for questions. And if I had to say my secret ingredient, I'd say my last question, like as they're walking me out the door, is do you have any remaining concerns about my fit for this position that I can address before I leave? Because I think that shows the most confidence. You just put yourself in the hot seat, right? They know that you think you're a great fit for this position. You're not just you're not just out here interviewing for positions you hope, fingers crossed, you get. You genuinely are ready to back up any concerns they provide you. So I ask that in all of them. I always get a little bit of an eye open when I ask that. They typically say no. One of them, one of my job uh, interviews did say, uh, the ambulatory care aspect of my residency as I was applying for an inpatient position. And like I said, I anticipated that and I had an uh, answer ready to go for it. And I, I'm sure that struck well. Yeah. And 
I've actually done that too. I've said that a couple of times and definitely was an eye opener. That last question you mentioned, and that is something it is, it's a risk asking that question, but I think it shows how confident you are in yourself and your interview skills for you to ask that type of question. And, you know, you don't want anybody leaving unsure about you. You right. want them to have a solidified either yes or no, because the last thing you want to do is be left in limbo. So it's, if there's anything else, like last, any last minute concerns, um, you know, just feel free, feel f- I'm willing to discuss it with you if there's anything you want to discuss and et cetera, et cetera. Because I think that that shows great, um, great confidence. And that's a big thing that I know if I was on the other side, that's something I would love to hear um, someone I'm interviewing right. definitely say. And then I agree also, like, honestly, I think they're all great questions to ask. Um, I ask a couple of those. I always like to ask about the service lines as well. Like, where do they kind of see the um, roles expanding? Where the, What is their future for their pharmacy? Where do they think the future of pharmacy is heading? I always like asking those questions to see the vision of that manager, because I'm going to have to work under that person. So I want to make sure that we have the same vision or similar ideas. Otherwise there might be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say confrontation, but there might be, Oh, go ahead. I like some disagreements. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some disagreements. Um, so that's something that, uh, I just want to make sure that is always, I'm in the right situation. And I think that's something that a lot of pharmacy managers are trying to do too, is ensure that their employees are in the right situation and that they're hiring the right, the right employees for those situations. Um, great. Yeah. So I love all of these questions. Um, other things that I personally do, I don't know if you do this, um, and you can also answer this, Alex, is I also like to ask about salary. Is it a salary position? Is it hourly pay? Um, what are some of the benefits? Um, is it, you know, like, what are the different um, money things that and, and benefits as far as health insurance that can be provided. Um, I know some people are, are having families. We know people who are having families. So, you know, uh, maternity leave, do you get that? Or do, does it have to come out of your PDO? Um, different things like that. Can you stack up your PDO? Things like that. So I always like to ask those questions because um, I'm a money guy. So uh, <laughs> um, I always want to make sure the finances are right. And um it's kind of clear about how much you'll get paid. What are the bonuses? What are the hour structures? Um, what are the time of day? What are the shifts that I'll be working and whatnot? What about you, Alex? Do you kind of go into? I mean, that is definitely a good idea to ask about that. Um, I think when I went through all the interviews, it didn't, for some reason, it never crossed my mind. It could be just like, I was nervous. I was afraid that if I asked about compensation, then, you know, I might price myself out of being hired. Um, so, I mean, for anyone that is, you know, going through this job process and has that fear, um, rest assured, this is something that I think a lot of people really are afraid of is asking that question. But if you're thinking about your financial future, um, you really want to know before they make an offer, um, before you commit. So, I mean, I think, Future interviews, like if, let's say, whatever position, um, five years down the line, like if I decide to apply for that, I think I would definitely utilize that strategy. But like during my interview process this year, I, I just, for some reason, I just didn't ask that. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that's fine. possibly fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so. Everybody's different. So that, that's fine. Um, so, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell yeah, you why I like that question. I'll tell you why I like that question about um, is it hourly? Is it salary? Because you're not asking what the pay is. 
you're mm-hmm. opening the door for them to tell you what the pay is. You're clearly interested, but you're not aggressive enough to ask for it. You're not insulting them in a way, you know, so to speak. And, and we can talk more about like how to ask for pay if you want. But I like that question. I haven't asked it myself because, you know, it is important for one to know if it's salary or hourly. Um, does my PDO roll over health benefits? I think those last two are more like tiebreakers to me, not like, you know, top of my totem pole. But yeah, yeah if, if you ask about hourly or salary and they say, oh, it's hourly and there's like a two second silence, they may fill that with the hourly rate. And you didn't ask for it. They told you if you want to find out earlier on. I have my own ways of going about that, but that, that's a great way. And I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Um, do you want to share? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much you want to share. Because uh, I, oh, I know no, you I secured mind. the job, so you're good right now. But I don't know if you want to share all all the all the secrets to Doctor Dubill's success. No, nah, there's not much to it. There's not much success there. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting started. Um, no, I mean I don't. No, I don't mind sharing anything about it. Um, my theory is everyone knows you're there to to make money. Like that's what you know. They know you want a high pay and. Yeah. I personally don't recommend asking about pay until they tell you what they offer. That's why I like your question because you're not asking what the pay is. You're asking about mm-hmm. the pay. So I like how that opens the door for them. But asking about pay can, it can give off a number of bad impressions and not asking about pay can give off a number of good impressions. And you're not going to get offered more just because you asked earlier on. I, I view it like, I view it in like two different candidates. Like candidate number one says, I'm not sure how badly I want this position. So I'd like to hear what you're offering me before we continue versus candidate two that says, I'm so enthusiastic about this position that I'll continue forward with this interview, despite not knowing what my compensation might exactly be. You might feel like the first candidate and that's okay, but what do you gain from telling them that if you were hiring, you'd probably be more interested in candidate two, just based off of enthusiasm and whatnot. So if they bring it up, which they certainly will before extending an offer, Go into more detail. Ask about the whole compensation package. Dive deep. They open the door. But understand, you'll have the opportunity to counter your offer regardless of how deep into the process you are. Asking earlier on makes it sound like it's a priority. No, I like that. Thank you, Madison. Um, and now, is there like any questions or topics that you would try to avoid? I mean, you kind of touched upon it with saying like directly asking for how much, um, how much would you get paid for this position? Is there anything else that you would recommend avoiding questions or topics? Um, well, I can think of some that are touchy, uh, that might get interpreted the wrong way. I don't want to say they're completely off limits, but you know, you might not, if you're already in, like, if you're getting a weird feel from the job, you might not want to ask, uh, you know, what caused the previous pharmacist to leave? What, what are some of the weaknesses of the pharmacy? You know, things like that, that might get in, there's different and better ways to ask that. You might want to say, um, you know, what's the reason for the vacancy? Is this a new position or did the uh, pharmacist before me have a better opportunity? Uh, and instead of saying, what are the weaknesses of the pharmacy? You might want to say, where do you focus your growth in the next couple of years? Like we said, um, mm-hmm. I'd say more so just be careful not to insult the pharmacy by asking, like, what might I not enjoy about this position? What are you not telling me? I want to know more. You kind of want to word them correctly. Yeah. And were you going to say something? Yeah. I mean, I think also because like with interviews, Right, they might offer you like the just the initial interview, just like a 15 minute, just like get to know like the person, get to know about the position. So it's going to be really important, I think, to pay attention to what um, the person is uh, talking about in regards to the position. Because if they mention, like, for example, well, this position is a brand new position, we're opening up because we're expanding our services. You know, when it goes, if they offer you a, like a follow up interview and then you ask, oh, so why is this position open? It, it, uh, pharmacists seek 
a new position, they might interpret that as like, oh, okay, well, this person was not paying attention. So I think just keeping in mind of the information that is being shared as well, like try to take notes. Um, and then when it's your time to ask questions, just kind of keep those things in mind. But I mean, it's, it's, a, I think it's a great, um, I think that's a great question uh, to ask though, Madison. So, but still just kind of keep in mind what they share too. Definitely. And then what are some of the factors? Let's actually, let's, let me backtrack. Let's play the what if game. Let's say you have, (laughs) we know we're laughing because Madison's the king of game night. Um, So let's say there's two scenarios where both of them, let's say it's six figure salary, same amount of hours, relatively the same job. You'll have like the same type of console, same type of patient workload. Um, you enjoy both cities equally. What are some of the deciding factors that you would look at to help impact your decision over of one place over the other? So money's not it. Um, location's not necessarily it. Is there anything that you would kind of look at to help you make a decision on where you should, um, on which job you sh- job offer you should accept? Yeah, I mean, those are great things to have equal already. Those are definitely the top things. So I would start getting into what you were talking about earlier, um, benefits or, you know, the overall culture you've gotten before I even get into benefits, overall culture. If, if you've interviewed at both of these places and you're getting different vibes from the cohort of people that talk to you, are they robotic? Are they helping each other? Are they bubbly and positive? You know, whatever your personality mm-hmm. type is, you might want to find where you fit in. I'd say that's more important than the benefits. So as long as the benefits aren't polarizing. But benefits are important. I mean, I don't really mean like dental vision, but more so like, can you re- can you uh, convert your 403B to a Roth 403B? You know, are there mm-hmm. tax savings with that? Uh, what is the match on your 403B? Uh, you know, th- those are both five-figure decisions, six-figure decisions down the line. You know, is there an HSA or is there an FSA? Uh, are my utilizations of healthcare services free if I stay in your network? Or is it more like an Etla MetLife? where I can go kind of anywhere and I just have a general copay. Those are things that I know add up over time. They might not seem influential at first, but if you start to find out everything's equal, but this one I can have a Roth 403B. This one's an HSA, not an FSA. And this one has no copay benefits. So as long as I use their services, well, now you're talking about saving yourself tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars in the next 20, 30 years. So those would be my tiebreakers. Gotcha. What about you, Alex? I feel like... Oh, good. We can get into a whole talk about benefits. No, I was gonna say we can get into a whole talk about benefits. That feels like a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at him. He's he's producing his own episode. This is Madison for you guys. You guys don't notice, man. He's he's one of a kind. We love him. We love him. So, for one of my last questions, we have two more questions we wanted to ask you. Did you end up negotiating for a higher salary or pay raise? And if so, how did you go about doing that? I did. I um. I was, it was with the talent recruiter. So all the salary information and uh, pay information was through a talent recruiter, not the manager himself. So I received the offer for an hourly rate and to them, to the talent manager, I said, I think it's a great offer. Uh, However, based on my experiences and I, I listed them off, you know, I was specific. I said, I have I have experience in Amcare. I have experience in oncology, which you said was an area of development for the pharmacy. Amcare, you said, was an area of development for the pharmacy. PGY1 training, uh, they actually recognized that as three years of work experience. 
So I, I listed off a few things and then I actually asked for $3 higher per hour. I thought that was fair. It matched, it, it slightly exceeded other offers that I've been asked. So I thought, why not? That, that offer was a little low. So I asked for something a little higher and they actually met me almost halfway and offered me um, a dollar more than what their original offer was. So it worked out. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, on my experience, I, I don't know if there's like a, a great strategy to go about this because I, I tried to negotiate for a higher salary and it didn't work out. Um, you know, is there anything that like for, I guess, for anyone that's kind of new to applying, um, they're, they're now they have the offer waiting for them. Like, like what kind of approaches can, can that person take? Like, is there anything that they could read up on? Like, should they be doing some uh, research on the market ahead of time? Like, what, what, are, what, what have you seen or what, what would you recommend? I think what helped with me is that I had friends who were transparent enough to tell me what they were getting paid or what they were offered at first. So I knew what was fair. Mm-hmm. I knew what other people were getting. Um, I mean, you know, I looked on like salary.com, glassdoor.com. Of course, you type in your job, you type in your location, it'll tell you the average pay. I mean, it might help to say you've done that, right? You might, it might help to say, oh, I, you know, I've done my research and based on this position at this location via these references, and maybe you want to list them off. But I wouldn't go by golden rule on that because I don't know where they pull their data from. I think the best things that helped me was knowing what other people were getting paid at that same site. Um, you know, every HR has a predetermined range of pay for your position, and they're going to mm-hmm. offer you the bottom of that range. They want to use the rest of that range as incentive for you to work hard once you have the job. So when they say, when they offer you, just understand that that's the lower end of the range and they have the budget to pay you more. They certainly do. Um, so it doesn't hurt to ask for a little couple extra dollars or thousands if it's a salary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it kind of going back to like with residency with a year of residency being, you know, um, worth like three years of experience according to ASHP. Um, and I, I don't know if all the places out there recognize that, you know, yeah, that I think when, I guess on my, on my part, on my end, you know, when it came down to it, it was just like, they didn't, I felt like, you know, they, they had a different view of things, you know, it's like, well, technically I've only been out of school for two years. So they look at that. It's like, oh, that's two years of experience you know, that's not really six years. So that that's, I think that's the challenge. And um, kind of going to our last question of uh, this interview. So what are five takeaway points you would like our audience to remember regarding the job search and the whole interview process? Five things. Um, well, I think we touched on a lot of them. To recap, I think remembering that the interview is two ways, right? It's a two-way conversation. Ask all of your questions. That's the most important part. Relate their answers and their comments throughout the interview to your experiences and, and your interests. And I say be conversational, be kind of casual. That's just me, not too casual. Find your balance. What gives you confidence and shows off confidence to them, but also doesn't come off as too casual. You know, you got to find that balance. I think I found mine and I think it helps. Uh, secondly, I'd say definitely customize your CV for the job. I applied for an inpatient position. I also applied for transitions of care and admin positions. And my CV was different for each one, uh, just in a different order. I didn't add or take away certain things, but I, I highlighted other things. It can help make the employer make associations between your experiences for them. Um, you know, and they'll relate your accomplishments with the demands of the position. 
Third, I'd say definitely write a cover letter when applying. The format should probably be the same for each position. Personal info um, is always asked on your applications as well, right? So you always get asked the personal info, upload your CV, they ask you your background questions. I would look for that upload link that says supplemental document and just upload a CV, type it, you know, it, a, a good C, a good cover letter is better than no cover letter. Uh, an average cover letter is better than no cover letter. Now, just make sure it's not a bad cover letter, right? Uh, I would have plenty of questions ready to go. Uh, so, you know, number four, it shows you did your research. It shows you're genuinely interested and you put a deep amount of thought into the pros and cons of this position. You're actually considering this long term. You're not just asking the cliche questions. You know, when can I hear back or what do you look for in an ideal pharmacist, whatever it may be. Um, those kinds of questions I feel like can show a lack of genuine interest and, or show desperation. Like, I don't, I don't care. I just want this job. Here are my questions. Um, and five, I would encourage you to email not only after the interview to thank everyone. I feel like that's kind of common sense, but even before applying something like, uh, you know, I was reading on the description. I was hoping to hear more about the day-to-day activities of this position because most of the listings do a pretty bad job at detailing the day-to-day activities. Some of them are even just outright wrong. I've had that experience where I applied for something and they're like, oh, yeah, we had to update that. That's actually not what this position does. I go, oh, great. I should have emailed first. Um, or, you know, is this a new position or did someone recently leave a vacancy? If so, why? Just want, just wanting to learn more. Thank you for your insight, you know, sincerely, whatever. And that way, when they, when the hiring committee is reviewing your application, someone will say, Hey, that person actually reached out to me and they're asking some good questions. And then everyone in the room is automatically more intrigued and ears and eyes open. And um, I think it really gets a good foot in the door. I definitely agree. Um, and I think those are all great points that you shared with us today. And that's something that I definitely hope our audience will take away listening. I know I've definitely walked away learning a lot, um, kind of the way you process and think and how you really take any opportunity you can to, to ask leading questions that really tell you a lot about the environment, the culture of that pharmacy, uh, maybe even the culture of that healthcare institution to kind of give you a good idea to help you judge their character and kind of formulate how you completely feel about that place. And um, in order for you to make a decision, whether or not, if you want to be an employee there, because I I do believe that a lot of us, I know they say that it's hard to find jobs and whatnot. That's a conversation we can have for another day. But I do believe that for a lot of us pharmacists that we are desired and there is a need for us. And we, we have the opportunity to pick jobs that we like and we desire. And we just have to make sure we are asking the right questions to understand how us, how that culture is there to make sure it's the right environment for you. And if it's not, you know, um, thank them for the opportunity and, and move on to the next one um, kind of mindset. And that's something that I definitely um, learned a lot from you today to kind of make sure I ask the right leading questions and kind of have um, certain tips and tricks that I could add to my repertoire whenever I'm interviewing with places to make me a better interview candidate for sure. So I thank you so much, Dr. Madison Dubill for coming on and kind of sharing um, your secret sauce, as he called it uh, to help us all become better interviewers and kind of explain the job process. Cause like I said, a lot of people just graduated. A lot of people are finishing up residencies are starting to apply for jobs. And um, I felt like you would, you would be able to speak to the experience that we're currently going through and what you're currently noticing since a lot of us will be applying and a lot of us are just coming out of the residency. So you could relate to us more than maybe somebody who's been in the field for multiple years and have all these different things on their CV 
um, and whatnot. So it's like, it's hard to compare yourself to them, but um, you're kind of a little bit closer to home. So I thought it would be a great idea to have you on. And um, we're super excited that you said yes. And you're able to give us um, some of your time on your day off uh, to kind of go through this with us. So thank you, Madison. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful you reached out. I hope your listeners uh, got something out of this interview and I'm glad you did too. Appreciate it. Definitely. And then is there anything, um, any social media that you would like our listeners to reach out to you on if they have any further questions or they want to reach out to you just to kind of get some more advice on um, the interview experiences and what they should do whenever they're in your shoes? Um, I feel like my social medias, I don't really use them a whole lot, but if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, I mean, LinkedIn. Yeah, 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 definitely. So LinkedIn, I mean, Madison okay. Dubill is my name. If you search me on LinkedIn, I'm sure you can find me. Um, I have some posts about things that I've done and, and um, you know, I check that. So if you hit me up there, I'll definitely see it. But yeah, you could email me. Uh, I still have my uh, pharmacy school email that I still check. So it's just my first and last name, Madison Dubill. Dubill is D-U-B-I-L at UFL as in University of Florida dot E-D-U. Okay. So Madison Dubill at UFL.edu. And you can also reach out to him on LinkedIn.com. Uh, just search for Madison Dubill. Um, if you're trying to get in touch with him and you have any issues to let me know, I have his number. I can text him. I'm close like that. I'm cool like that. Um, cool. I'm cool with Madison like that. So anybody that needs needs um, to get in touch with him, just let me know. And we'll make sure we set that up. Um, so thank definitely, you definitely. Yeah. So thank you again, uh, Madison. Um, uh, we appreciate it. And I guess we'll see you tomorrow. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. See you bright and early. All right. See you tomorrow morning. Have a good one. Take care. You too.